Good morning, Hagerstown Church. I uh, want to let you know that uh, on behalf of myself and also Pastor Tim, that uh, we love you guys, we miss you, and we wish that we could see your faces, and uh, I know that I wish that I could hug your necks and, uh, and be present with you this morning. Um, we, we long for the day that uh, we can sing together, we can sing the word, we can pray the word, and uh, we can preach the word um, in one another's presence and make much of Jesus together um, as a collective body. But in the meantime, I want to just continue to call you to remain faithful to your study in the Word of God, both individually and as families, if that applies to you. Um, this is a very unique time that we've been afforded uh, together to, to spend um, in the Word. And so I challenge you, uh, don't squander this time. Make the most of it. Redeem this time and, uh, and, and cash it in. Uh, for time spent with your Savior, with Jesus, getting to know Him and His Word on a deeper level. I also want to ask you to do me a favor, and that's to engage uh, with the sermon. And so I can't hear uh, your amens. I can't uh, hear your uh, your calls out to, uh, to, to, to put it in park or to stir that soup. Uh, but I'd love to hear um, in some way um, how God is using His Word preached this morning uh, to encourage and edify the saints. And so if you would, do me that favor. Reach out to us by, by messaging us, by, um, by commenting on this feed, and, uh, and by liking it as well, or maybe even loving it. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for us uh, as pastors to get some feedback on how the Lord is using uh, our ministry of the Word to you uh, to meet needs. And so that's, that's important to us, and I want to ask you to do us that favor. Um, additionally, I want to encourage you to continually be reaching out to brothers and sisters um, during this time. And so we're all isolated, and in, in, in some ways there are there are good things that, that are coming from that, but also there are some struggles uh, that are taking place within the church. And so we as a body uh, now more than ever need to be bonding together and reaching out in as many ways as possible. And so I know you're uh, you're exhausted after long days of work or long days of, of surfing the internet and watching uh, Netflix, whatever uh, this season has for you. But I, I want to encourage you and, and beg you uh, to be reaching out to the local uh, assembly, to, to your brothers and sisters, and continuing to be the church. Remember, um, though we may be bound, the gospel is not bound, and the gospel makes a church. The gospel makes a people and there is no stay-at-home order that can truly and effectively um, take the church's ability to, to minister to one another. And so we can, can still continue to do that, uh, even though we are in our homes and isolated. Um, and so, brothers and sisters, please reach out and uh, be an encouragement to those in your life group and to in your D group, and, and ultimately to those who are both members and attenders of Hagerstown Church. This is a unique opportunity, and we need to band together. And so... Uh, with that said, I want to jump in to our time together back in Mark chapter 1. And so this morning is an, uh, is an exciting uh, morning. Uh, a few uh, weeks ago, or maybe I should be honest and say a few months ago, we began our study in the Gospel of Mark. And I hope for you that it's been a fruitful time. I know for me that it has been. And so we took a break last week. We spent some time on uh, Resurrection Sunday, and we celebrated the fact that our Savior has risen from the grave, and what that means for us, and how there's a call both to hope and also a call to come and die. And so we, we looked at that last week, but this week we want to jump back into our study of Mark, and what's also so exciting about this morning is that we 
hopefully, Lord willing, we'll get uh, to complete chapter one. And so we've got a few chapters to go after that, but this morning is a, is a, is a, a monument of a day because we will um, finish up chapter one. And so I'm excited to do that. And without any further ado, let's read the word together in uh, Mark chapter one, verses 40 and down to 45. And so I'll read that for us. The Bible says this, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. I'm going to ask God to bless the reading of his word. Would you pray with me? Father, again, this is our prayer. We've read your word. Now, Spirit, we ask that you quicken us, that you make us alive, and that you use this text to, to do exactly what takes place in this text, to cleanse us. Father, renew our minds. Purge from our minds the, the sinful thoughts and desires even this morning. We humbly sit at your feet this morning, and we implore you, Jesus, would you heal us? We Do you will? We know that you're able. So that's our prayer. And now we turn back to the text, and we ask that this be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we go too far into the passage this morning, I, I want to just pause and briefly address this gag order or this non-disclosure agreement that we see Jesus giving to this leper here at the end of the chapter. Um, this type of statement, really, that is regularly made throughout the, the Gospel of Mark, and we see it in the other Gospels as well, it, it really can leave us a bit bewildered. Why would Jesus, uh, a man that has come, God in the flesh, the Messiah, who's come to, to make uh, a great deal about the Gospel, and he, and he desires to have a following and to get this message out, why would he want this leper to keep silent? Why would he want those others whom he heals to remain silent? Well, I think one way that we can understand what Jesus is doing and saying here is to, 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 to think back to what's taken place here in the last few weeks, uh, even here in Washington County and in Maryland, and, and I'm speaking in relation to COVID-19. So not on every level are there similarities, but particularly here I see one a similarity that I think we could use as a metaphor or even as a, sim, uh, well, yeah, a similarity between what God uh, in the flesh, Jesus, is, is asking of this man and what our governor has asked of us as well. And so really, uh, just a few weeks ago, we, were, uh, we experienced this stay-at-home order and that, uh, that Governor Hogan gave to us. And really, it was based on the hope that we as Marylanders could continue to flatten the curve. And so many healthcare professionals, they recognized that this virus would eventually uh, permeate the entirety of, of our state and, and eventually of the nation. But what's hoped here is that if we can flatten the curve, we can um, prov provide more opportunity. If we do the stay-at-home orders, we could provide more opportunities to, instead of everybody re uh, experiencing this virus and contracting it within a month or so, that if we could spread that out to six months or even to a year, that would do a couple things. One, it would uh, give healthcare professionals an opportunity to get a better handle on how to treat and care for 
citizens of Maryland and, and of the United States. And so that's one of the hopes, that they'll be able to be more prepared to, to assist us if and when we contract uh, this virus. And in addition to that, the second uh, hope is that if the curve is to be flattened, that we won't overrun or overwhelm our healthcare system. And uh, in, in, in essence, if we were to do that, uh, there is a chance, a greater chance of lives to be lost and, uh, and people to suffer. And so there is a hope by our leaders that we could flatten the curve and not everybody contract it at the exact same time. And so in a similar way, what Jesus is trying to do is to, in a sense, flatten the curve. So if Jesus were to reveal himself all to, to everybody, there could be a following that would uh, overwhelm what he was trying to do at this particular moment. And what is he trying to do at this particular moment? Well, he's, he's not trying um, to create some popularity uh, contest. He, he's not trying to create a political insurrection uh, ultimately, what Jesus is trying to do is make his way to the cross. And even before that, in the present right now, he's trying to disciple his disciples. He's trying to disciple even some of the crowds as he preaches his message. So Mark regularly records Jesus saying some saying like this, Hey, don't tell everybody. You need to be quiet just for a little while about this. So I want to just encourage you, don't get sidetracked here at the end of chapter 1. Why is Jesus doing this? Well, that's a part of why he's doing it. He's, in a sense, flattening the curve or smashing the curve. That's not the main point of our text this morning. And I, what is the main point? What, what should you take? What is my desire for you to take? And I would say, I would argue Mark's desire that you would take as the main point this morning. Well, here it is. I'll give it to you at the beginning. Jesus is both able and willing to cleanse even the filthiest of us who humbly turn to him. I'll say that again for you. Jesus is both able and willing to cleanse even the filthiest of us who humbly turn to him. This morning we can all relate to the leper in this story. We, we all have insurmountable problems that we face. Some of you more than others. Some of us, I should say, more than others. We're, we all possess some burden that we are unable to lift ourselves or to rid ourselves of on our own. What is that for you? What is that burden that you cannot cleanse yourself of? That Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe, more importantly, it's a spiritual one. I would say, and I would argue for you this morning, and, I, and to you, that the greatest need that you have is not a physical one, whether it be financial or related to health or even relation. I would say that the greatest need, and I believe Jesus would agree with me, that the greatest need that you have this morning is a spiritual one. So what is that burden what is that desire and longing of the, of the soul that you have this morning? With that in mind, I want you to want to really address two questions in relationship to that insurmountable burden that you have or problem that you cannot overcome. What is it? Here's the two questions I want you to ask. First, who is able to lift this burden? Who is able to lift this burden? this burden. And the second question we'll ask is this, who is willing? Who is willing? And so first, 
who is able. I want you to notice this in relationship to the ability that the law and the priests, they had no power to cleanse, but only to declare clean. Here's why. Only God can cleanse. Look at this text with me this morning. This leper here comes to Jesus, and Jesus, what does he tell him? He, after he heals him, he says, go and show yourself to the priest. Well, what is he referring to? Well, under the Mosaic law, if you had a skin disorder or disease, if you had leprosy here, you would be placed in a ceremonially unclean category. What did that, what did that mean? Well, it meant that, that you were, well, you were considered unclean, but in, in addition to that, that you were effectively be ostracized. You would be cast out of the community, and, and for good reason. You would be given a stay-at-home order, but instead of a stay-at-home, it would be stay out of the city, stay away from other people whom you could infect. And, and that would be the reasoning why. Why, did, why was it in the Mosaic Law? Well, it was to protect the community. It was to protect the greater uh, congregation of, of folks that met there. So here's quite a predicament. If you find yourself as a leper, you were... Uh, not only experiencing a physical ailment, but also a social and relational ailment as well. So you're considered unclean. But in the case, in the event that you would be cleansed of that ailment or of that disease, then what were you to do? Well, Leviticus 14 tells us that then you would go to the priest in Jerusalem, and what you would do is you would show, or, or to the tabernacle, but here now in Jerusalem, and you would show yourself to the priest. Now, the priest could not heal you, but the priest would go through a series of, 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 of different smaller ceremonies that all work together that, would, that he would use to declare you to be cleansed. Now, there was a, not a whole bunch of need for, for lepers to be declared clean, cleansed rather, by the priests there at the temple. Uh, the lines there for uh, be, being declared uh, cleansed were, were similar to the lines that you wished that you could see at the DMV. Empty. Nobody in line. That, that's what you'd wish to see at the DMV, and that's what you experience here at the temple there in Jerusalem. There was not a line. Why do I say that? Because the law has no power to cleanse. The law had no power to actually rid you of what it was that was causing your ailment. In fact, really what the law did was to demonstrate to you that, that you needed to be ostracized, that you needed to be cast aside. In other words, if this leper was to experience a healing, he would not find it in the law. He would not find it by the hand of a priest and there in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. No, if he were to experience a cleansing or a healing, he would have to experience that at the hand of God himself. Recently, my family and I, we sat down to enjoy a new TV series that has come out, and it's called The Chosen. And if you haven't seen that yet, I, I highly encourage you to take a look at that. It's been a powerful tool in my own life and in the life of my family uh, to really have a just another uh, access into um, the, the, the time of the Gospels and to the life particularly of Jesus and his disciples. And so I encourage you to do that. But in this new series, uh, they take some uh, creative license here and they flesh out this man, Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, the teacher of teachers. And at one point in, in episode one, he is called upon to cast a demon out of a woman by the name of Lilith. 
And uh, as he goes to this woman's house and he tries to use the law and what he knows from the law to cast this demon out, he comes up empty-handed. He's unable to do it. And, and it's in a striking scene. He's told that he has no power there. And as he leaves this house, he's, he's distraught, he's crushed, as he realizes the powerlessness of the law that it offers to us. He makes a statement there under his breath, and he says, If anyone like her, or if, if this woman is to experience a healing or a, a redemption, will only occur at the hand of God, by God himself. And of course, that sets up the entrance for Jesus himself. It's a beautiful uh, rendition or, or storytelling of the, the work of Jesus there in the lives of those in the first century. Fortunately, this leper, he finds himself in the presence of God. And so who is able? Well, the law is not, and yet God is. So Mark is reminding the Roman audience, and even us today, that Jesus is God. And he's telling us emphatically that Jesus is able. He's reminding us that the Messiah has come, he's present with us, and he's come to save, to cleanse, and to redeem. And so the one that creates fingers and noses is the same one who's able to recreate it and bring one to health. So Jesus, God in the flesh, he's able to cleanse and to heal this man of leprosy. But you may be wondering with me this morning, what is leprosy? And so we know God is able, Jesus himself, he is able, but he's able to do what? What is he actually doing when he cleanses this man from leprosy? Well, the word leprosy comes from the ancient Greek word lepra. And lepra is a disease that makes the skin scaly and peely. Um, and so that's a little bit of a description of it. And so it's a wasting disease that, that literally is de destroys flesh. And it's contagious, either by contact or even, even through the air. And so there's, there's this proper noun, lepra, this disease, but then there's also the condition of lepra, which literally, as I said, just means scaly and peely skin. But we can assume that, uh, that, there is, that this man is not suffering from eczema or, or some mild case of psoriasis, and he's coming to Jesus um, to implore and beg him to heal him from this, but that he actually is suffering from the disease leprosy. One ancient historian speaking of leprosy said this of it. He said, they, speaking of the lepers, they are so disfigured that any kind of death would be prefer preferable. Any kind of death would be preferable. And people would lose their, their body parts as, as nerve damage would set in and circulation to those limbs or extremities would be lost. Josephus, another ancient historian speaking, of lepers would refer to them in his writings as dead men walking, as dead men walking, and dead so much not in the physical sense, because leprosy wouldn't kill you immediately. In fact, you'd live oftentimes a long life, longer than you may even wish, but, but dead in the sense of socially. You see, when people die, what happens to them? Well, they're removed from society. They're separated from us in the present. And when a Leper, would, or a man would contract leprosy, would be condemned to live in isolation. 
He would be removed from society. Jewish law held that anyone with, with leprosy would be removed and required to live outside of the city and away from other people. Obviously, as I said a moment ago, for, for the society's protection and to this leper's hurt. This isn't just some made-up ancient disease. As a matter of fact, people today are still affected by leprosy. It's now called Hansen's disease, though, this particular disease. And it's named that, uh, it was named that in the 19th century after the man who had discovered the bacteria that, that causes this disease. And now it's, it's treatable. Now, if you're found with leprosy and there's damage, now this treatment can't restore health, but it can stop and remove the effects of leprosy. It can rid you of it, but it can't actually make you uh, bring you back to, to health if you've lost a body part or appendage or, or part of your nose or, or part of your eye or eyelid or something like that. This is lost forever, maybe through some reconstructive surgery. But there was no heal, healing or, or, or remedy that was effective in this day. It was a death sentence. Again, physically and socially. This leper here, he knew that no one else could save him. No law, no priest, no man, no remedy, no oil, nothing could save him. As you look at your loneliness or your bitterness or your addiction or your spiritual lethargy or your hatred of other people or even the sin that entraps you and has ensnared you, you may have come to the point where you realize that no one, no book, no practice, nothing can rescue you from what it is you face, except for God. Just as Nicodemus, maybe you've come to that point this morning where you say, no one but God can save me. No one but God can cleanse me. No one but God can rescue me. And so to whom will you turn this morning? My prayer is that you will turn to the one who is able to rescue you. That you'll turn to the one who is able to cleanse you. This man, this leper, he may have lost appendages, but he had not lost his mind. He knew that Jesus could cleanse him. And so he turns to Jesus. And here's the danger of turning this man, turning to Jesus. Who, who was to say whether Jesus would be willing? Who was to say that though this man was able, that he would take the time to stop and to enter into this man's sphere, perhaps even touch him and bring healing to him? He had no doubt he had the ability, but, but did he have the desire Imagine with me that you are in need of a double kidney transplant. You're without insurance. You're without the funds that are required for you to have the procedure, the surgery that would take place. And so you ask yourself the question, who will pay for it? We all know who can afford such a, such a procedure. Each of us could, could uh, list out a few names of people that we've either heard of or seen on TV. Or maybe even we know maybe here in Hagerstown, I could afford to pay for a surgery that you need, this double kidney transplant. We know who has the money. That's no problem. 
But the question is, who is willing? Who has pity on you? Who would take of their own resources, the ones that we know they have, and secure for you what you need for life? So this question, who is willing? Who is willing? Look with me at verse 41 and also 42. I love this. One of my favorite uh, statements that we've come across here in chapter 1 so far in the book of Mark. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will. Jesus, are you willing? I will. Be clean. He commands the man, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And so as we consider this idea of who is willing in the life of this leper, who is willing? Here Jesus heals him. But I want to ask you this. Do, do you see what, what actually has taken place here? Before this Jesus has touched the leper, before the leper could even speak to him, Something had occurred in time and space that had not occurred to date. And what was it? The Word had become flesh, as John 1 tells us. And it had dwelt among us, and we have seen its glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What had happened? What had taken place that God in the flesh was now incarnate, that God in the flesh had come down and made himself near. He was close enough to hear the cry as he did the Israelites, close enough to rescue David as he called out, save me from mine enemies. He was able to be reached. God, who was on high, had come down and dwelt among us. And this man, this leper, was able to look upon the face of his very creator. What transport would you take to see the Father? In which way, which mode of transportation would get you to God Almighty? What bridge would you cross? What ship would you enter? You see, we cannot approach the Father unless first the Son approach us. And He has. Jesus continues to demonstrate His power over disease and the effects of sin. He is God in the flesh. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And listen, He is willing. The fact that he's walking among us points to that very fact as we looked at last week. Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus would leave his rightful place in heaven, outside of time and space, and he would enter into his creation. What humility. And not only would he enter into creation, but he would take on the form of his creation. And not only would he take on the form, but he would die. He would subject himself to the very chief enemy that we face, death itself. And not just any death, but to death on the cross. Jesus was incarnate. Jesus was full of pity. Jesus was full of grace. And not only was he present with this man, not only was he available, not only was he close enough to be called out to, and close enough to hear, but he was also moved. In other words, Jesus in his humanity, is touched emotionally. He's touched 
emotionally? What does that tell us this morning? That our pain touches Jesus. That our pain that we experience, it affects him. And we ask this morning, does God care about my pain? Does he care about the, the struggle that I face and isolation? Does he care about my depression? Does he care about my ailments mentally and physically? Does he care about the fact that I don't want to be trapped in my sin? And what it brings into my life. Is he concerned with my difficulty? When we have thoughts such as this enter into our minds, we need look no farther than the cross of Jesus Christ to see his love and his mercy on display. My friends, yes, Jesus does care. Jesus does have pity. And he laid down his life so that we could escape sin and its consequences, death, and that which leads to death, and all the pain that goes along with it. Jesus absolutely cares, and he has pity on this man, this leper. The pity that Jesus shows for this man is in contrast to the, to the lack of pity that's offered by the Pharisees and the townspeople. Talk about social distancing. No one wanted to stand face to face with this guy. And if they had to come anywhere near him, you better believe that they were wearing their face mask. They don't need Governor Hogan to tell them to. Why? They're, they're distancing themselves from him naturally. Fear of contagion would keep this man away from everyone else. This was demanded socially and legally that he distance himself and that he be excluded from the community. When was the last time that this man had felt the touch of another human? When was the last time that he had felt the embrace of a family member or a friend? When was the last time that he had someone look him in the eye and not look away in shame and even disgust? Being under these stay-at-home orders now for, for a few weeks, we, we began to, to get just a, a small taste of what this man was experiencing. experiencing. And here we begin to see that there are those with pity, but they have no power. And contrastly, there are those with power that have no pity. But listen, Jesus is both able and willing. Again, his love, his mercy, and his power, they're seen for us as Jesus reaches out and touches this man. And instead of the bacteria and the unclean status transferring back to Jesus, Jesus' cleanliness, Jesus' holiness, his, his purity, it transfers physically to this man. The ceremony that Jesus alludes to here and that the law holds in Leviticus chapter 14, it involves the offering of two ceremonial clean birds. You see, the first bird, it was killed. Its blood was captured. The second bird, it was released after having been dipped or sprinkled with the blood of the first and so the remaining blood would then be sprinkled over the healed man. That was just part of the ritual here that this leper was going to Jerusalem, a, a journey of 60 to 70 miles from Capernaum or somewhere in that area. But here what's pictured in that ceremony is that one bird suffers and dies and the other one goes free after the blood of the first has been applied to the second. One takes the curse and the other one takes flight. One does the work and the other one rests. 
One goes free while the other dies. And so Jesus, I believe, is a picture of the bird that dies and whose blood is shed and is applied to the other and they go free. You see, Jesus commands this leper. He says, be cleansed. And it's, it's interesting what doesn't transfer from the Greek into the English because it's actually in the passive voice. And what that tells us is that this man, this leper, he's not the actor. He's not the one that is to, to, to commit this action of being cleansed. He is the one that will receive it. It's in the passive voice. In other words, instead of Jesus commanding him, be cleansed. As if the leper is then to, to do something, as if he hasn't already tried, as if he hasn't already struggled and, 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 and chased down every single modern method of the time to, to escape leprosy. He's already done that. He can't do it in and of himself. But Jesus commands him to be cleansed. And what he's saying in that moment is, I make you well. I do the work. It's because of me that you'll be cleansed, not because of anything that you can do, not by works of righteousness, but that we have done. But according to his mercy, he saves us. This leper, he had found someone who was both able and willing, and that person was God himself. It was Jesus. The greatest need that this man thought that he needed was to be cleansed of his leprosy. That was his greatest need that he could think of. And so I want to ask you this morning again, what is your greatest need? If Jesus came to you this morning and said, there's, if there's anything you ask of me, I'll give it to you. I'm able and I'm willing. What in your mind would you say is the greatest need you have? Again, I'll tell you, it is that your sins be forgiven. We said this before in this sermon series. If someone is to escape the effects of COVID-19, they're to heal from it and to live a long and, and happy life, only to die in their sins, they have lost everything. But if a saint, a Christian this morning, contracts COVID-19 and quickly enters into eternity and their sins are forgiven, they've turned from them and Jesus has cleansed them, they are eternally blessed. Why? Because the greatest need that you have this morning is not to be rid of some physical ailment this morning, but to be delivered from your sin and its effects in your life. So what's your greatest need? That you experience freedom from sin and forgiveness from sin. If you agree with me this morning, continue through this study and look, Jesus is willing and able to do that work. But what are we to do? How are we to access that? Well, there's a, a picture here for us this morning. There's a parallel of how we are to be cleansed spiritually. I don't necessarily believe that this man had, this leper had been cleansed spiritually, but it still is a metaphor for us. It's a picture. In verse 40, it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And so what are we to do this morning? You say, Pastor Josh, what, how should I respond to the fact that my greatest need is forgiveness of sin and freedom from it? And I would say to you this morning that you, like this leper, must kneel and implore. You see, in many ways, leprosy is a picture of sin. Here's why. It isolates us and it eventually 
kills us. Every sin that we commit, in some way, in many ways, isolates us from our peers, from our family members, from those in our community, oftentimes. But ultimately, it separates us from God. And what's more, it eventually kills us. Perhaps physically, but definitely spiritually. And that death occurs, that separation occurs in a place called hell. But here's the good news. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, if we kneel before God and we confess our sins, we admit the wrong that we've done, the sins that we've committed against our family members, against our friends, the sins that we've committed on stage and the sins that we've committed behind the curtain, where nobody sees, over the cover of darkness and night, we are to confess those, drag them into the light before the feet of Jesus, before the presence of Jesus. He promises that he will not only forgive us of our sins, but he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That his righteousness will be transferred to us, just as that wholeness, that, clean, that clean status that Jesus had before the law was transferred to that leper his righteousness will be transferred to us. What's more, our sin that we have committed, our, our filthiness will be transferred to Jesus, which was paid for on the cross. And so what are we to do? We're to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. We're to kneel in our hearts and ask Jesus to cleanse us. So I want to remind you, this is our main point this morning. I hope that you take it to heart. That Jesus is both willing and able to cleanse the filthiest of us who humbly turn to him. Hagerstown Church, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can cleanse you? That he has cleansed you, perhaps? Do you believe that he can cleanse your co-workers and your Facebook friends and even your family? And if you do, you need to know this. They need to know that. If you're joining me this morning, maybe this is your first time hearing anything of the sort. I, I want you to know the power of Jesus and the power that Jesus has to cleanse you of your sin. And it's power to free you from even the burden and the bondage of sin. That is a real deal. So I want to invite you to, to message me personally here on Facebook. To reach out to me via email at info at hagerstownchurch. Org. Find our, our, our phone number, my phone number there on our website, hagerstownchurch.org, and reach out to me. I, I would absolutely love to talk to you about how you can experience the healing power of Jesus Christ in your life. Hagerstown Church, I love you, I miss you, and you are sent.